Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for choosing Pilot Program. We ask that you please fasten your seatbelts and put your tray tables in the upright and locked position. Enjoy your flight. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. Come fly with me. Good afternoon, passengers. This is your captain, Chase Kennecke speaking. The date is April 11th, 2023, and the current weather is 74 degrees here in sunny. Yeah, sunny St. Louis. It's sunny outside. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I, I have a uh, I have a plane story that we can lead oh, off with. Okay. Yes. I'm Pierce Corchain. I'm your co-host. Yes, um, absolutely. Co-pilot. Uh, co-pilot. That's right. Uh, there. So I have like a little regional airport that I live near, mm-hmm. and a plane, a Cessna, crashed into a house um, on the street next to me. That's uh, that's not great. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing else to the story, but it happened last night, and <laughs> it is the talk of the town, okay. as you can imagine. Uh, I drove home uh, from Easter Sunday with my my parents in middle of, in the center of Missouri, uh, so I took I seventy back to St. Louis, and I passed a uh, a car that was in current immolation uh, on the Ooh. side of a road. Yeah, like full on like, flames coming out. Full on flames, the whole thing barbecued, um, and and fire trucks there putting it out. Um, it was an Easter miracle. Wow. Well, uh, I, do, do you know about the status? Absolutely of the not. Person? Okay. Zero. Everyone survived nothing, nothing. In, in my plane crash, so my <laughs> tragedy isn't so much of a tragedy. Yours could yes. be a tragedy, though. Could be. I don't know, but uh, you know, it was. It's cool seeing a car on fire. That's Y'all be safe out there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. seeing cars on fire is pretty cool. But also, it's dangerous out there. It's dangerous <laughs> to go anywhere but your the house. It is. Yes. Stay stay indoors, watch television. Watch television. Uh, that's what we that's what we do. Uh, yeah. is watch TV shows here on Pilot Program. In, in fact, Pierce, I don't know if you know this. Uh, we watched the first episodes of television shows here on Pilot Program. That's kind of the whole premise of the of the podcast. You watch episodes? I just, I just read that Wikipedia entry. And uh, you know what? Hope Fair. you don't notice. <laughs> you, know, you know, I do. I do. Here's the dirty little secret. I spend a lot of time on Wikipedia when it comes to to these episodes. Um, this one know. was you, tough. You, so the, the, this episode is Deadwood. Um, yes. But but they also don't say a lot of characters' names for the first like thirty minutes, and so there was a a good. As I was trying to take notes, I wanted to take hmm. notes with the characters' names in it, and I spent a lot of time on Wikipedia. And in your well, notes, actually, <laughs> looking because uh, well, you had I done that work before. Sure. Uh, yes. One, because I had to do the I, this is the first time you'll ever appreciate the, the work that I do when it comes to the actors and the characters they've played. Um, but two, I'll, I'll give you another dirty little secret, uh, one that I'm not advocating here. But I had to in the case of Deadwood. Um, I purchased the first episode of this on Amazon. The, the Amazon Prime TV, whatever the hell. Um, Why? The streaming stuff. Because I couldn't find it for free, you know? Yeah, but you could you could subscribe to HBO Max I could. for a month. I, pro- I probably will end up doing that, but also HBO Max is such a fucking tire fire right now. It is. Um, it's difficult <laughs> to use. Yeah. I, I bought Peacock. That's that's. I did that for this I did show. That too. Yeah. 
I did it for this show, also for the wrestling, but I did it for this show. <laughs> um, so now when we do our episode of Columbo, uh, I'm I'm locked and loaded. I've I've got all ten seasons of Columbo ready to go. Add it to uh, the list. Which it's already on the list, buddy. <laughs> Columbo's been on the list <laughs> since day one. Um, love that little guy. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, but here's the thing about Amazon. I I don't necessarily love Amazon, but when you are watching a show on Amazon and you pause it, or you don't even have to pause it. You just have to put your cursor on the screen. Um, it it just tells you all the actors and the characters they're playing that. on any individual frame. Yes. So that would have been perfect for you to be just like, oh yeah, this is Calamity Jane. Um, and it's Robin. What's her name? Robin. Uh, not Robin. Right. Weger. Yeah. Robin Weger. We'll we'll talk about her eventually. But uh, but yeah, that is that was just a handy thing of like, who the fuck's that guy? Oh yeah, right. Yes, of course that's the guy. Um. So pretty useful. Yeah. Big Amazon data doesn't need your money, though. Fine. No, they yeah. don't. Yeah. You, you uh, can give other people your money instead. You know, this is HBO, but these actors well, probably do. Can I, fair enough. Fair can enough. I buy yes. this episode yeah. off of Ian Machine? Uh, uh, yeah, also, Machine, if you know how to steal Deadwood, let me know, because I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> you know, HBO has done an impressive job of keeping all of their episodes off of a lot of different services. I feel like, I, well, you could probably torrent a decent amount. I haven't gone on to PirateBay.org in a long time. Uh, yeah, but... I'm, not a, I'm not a torrent guy. I, I, like Torrent guys, they're a whole other level above me. But uh, I, I'll i tell you, I've I've found ways to get some Sopranos to get the wire. To not get that Game you would. Like, there's because you're there's a, lots you're of ways to get some of these shows. For not whatever reason, would. Deadwood was just difficult to find. Um, anyway, before we get more into Deadwood, Pierce, I have to ask the question. Did you watch any more Archer after our last episode on Archer? No, that shocks me. No, I uh, before we you know pressed record on this, Chase and I were catching up and I was like, when are we going to do an animated show? And he reminded <laughs> me that we did one last episode. Yep. Uh, I have forgotten about that show. Immediately. Yeah. I have no desire to watch it. Uh, yeah, I also uh, did not watch any more Archer because... Uh, we we said on that episode we, we're not gonna we're not gonna watch anymore archer <laughs> um i don't know archer was fine we we don't need to rehash that there's a whole podcast of us talking about archer uh i'll tell you what i did do though i did go back and finish the rest of uh blue places oh right on. Um, yeah. which again i i'd seen before so it's not like i was doing anything crazy but um I, I finished out the, the 12 or 13 episodes that that has and uh, still good. Still really good. Still some really fucking good characters. Matt Holy, you need to Pierce. You need to watch the rest of that show and just meet Matt Holy. It's so good. God, what a the show. problem is we, we watched this first episode of Deadwood and then I watched a second episode of Deadwood. <laughs> well, I, I was not allowed to watch a second episode of Deadwood because I'd never seen Deadwood before. You are you're going to be the Deadwood Deadwood expert on this uh, particular episode of Pilot Program because you've seen more than one episode. Again, um, huge mistake. <laughs> uh, but I, I will watch more Deadwood. I, I can kind of promise you that. Anyway, why don't we get into it? Deadwood first aired March 21st, 2004 on HBO, as Pierce alluded to. The showrunner, creator, head writer, the, the guy is David Milch. Uh, Pierce, you know anything else that David Milch has worked on? I probably know what he has worked on, but I don't know what he has worked on. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, 
he uh, sorry I, I i also didn't know i was hoping you did because you're the deadwood expert oh that's true <laughs> I, again we always try to give some context to how much of the show we've seen before and i've yeah. seen like the first two seasons but i saw them maybe 10 years ago okay so uh da- david milch is a writer producer known for hill street blues nypd blue and deadwood so so yeah i've seen a few He's... episodes of nypd blue i've never seen hill street blues that's like the 80s prestige cop show right other than columbo of course well (laughs) we can't all be columbo unfortunately oh peter falk i could just lose myself in your eyes um (laughs) 10 seasons 10 seasons baby we'll do it um anyway pierce let me just ask you again as the as the deadwood expert here what is Mm -hmm. deadwood uh deadwood is a show uh about a town (laughs) called deadwood it's a real town it's it's a real town yeah uh it's the real town is in south South dakota Dakota. yeah in south dakota in the black hills um but at this time it was a territory it was indian territory as they say in the what year are we in here in deadwood 1876 i wrote a whole synopsis of the first episode is this what you want me to to read verbatim uh if, if you want, I, know, I don't know. We, I, I, I see here that our premise section in our note is is empty, uh, but that you did do synopsis of the plot. So I don't care, man. We're, professional we're already podcasters, off the rails. Man. <laughs> we're like we're like a Cessna into a house here. Um, so Deadwood follows a colorful cast of characters in a western frontier town named Deadwood in 1876 in episode one we see a lawman named seth bullock look for a fresh start as an honest general goods businessman folk hero and gunslinger wild bill hickok attempts to begin a new life as a prospector and a corrupt brothel owner named al swearingen attempts to keep his vice grip on the town while a new influx of enterprising men and women look to make it rich in this harsh land when a ruffian, ruffian loudly proclaims about a massacred family outside of town and blames the crime on Native Americans, Bullock and Wild Bill team up and find out there's a lot more to worry about than wolves and whiskey out here in the Wild West. Yeah, so this is this is an hour-long drama uh, series. Um, it's, it's HBO, so it's very premium and uh, very profane. We'll talk about the profanity later when we get to the legacy of the show. But... Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, some some western shit. Yeah, I, it's, I, I can dig a good is, western. I, I I'm down with a good western. I thought what was kind of interesting about this first episode that I don't really remember is that plot at the the plot that I sort of say at the end about this this ruffian comes into town and mm-hmm. says that uh, Native Americans killed a family outside of town, but it was really just him and his boys. Um, that doesn't really happen until 15 minutes. At the like toward the end of the episode, to fifteen right, minutes before the, credits roll, the plot kind of doesn't happen until the end. Uh, yeah, it's there's so much setup. There's there's so which... much setup, but it's it's a it's a character first show, and yes. those are my favorite shows, and I think that's why I ended up watching two more episodes after this because the what is important to Deadwood in this first episode is they want to introduce you to everyone and they want to give them something memorable. So you alluded to Calamity Jane is in this as well she kind of comes in as very protect protective of wild bill hickok and has a soft spot but is like kind of flies off the handle a lot um and like wild bill is he's a gambler and he has a problem with gambling and he's also his his 
draw is getting slower and it's kind of days as a gunslinger as a lawman vigilante are kind of nearing an end so his handler whatever you want to call him uh is trying to help him get into another career which is prospecting and so like there's like everyone has some kind of thing like that uh where they all have their own goal and their idea of how they're going to achieve that goal and then you put them all in this muddy town and they all kind of get in each other's way and and one of the important notes here uh and it gets talked about uh at the at the very beginning of the show uh you you do mention do you mention it here no i think you mentioned in your notes that that at the very beginning you see our our protagonist of um timothy oliphant's character we'll we'll get into the characters here in in just a second but um, Seth Bullock, you, you see Seth Bullock, he's in, uh, this is in Montana, not in South Dakota quite yet. And he's the marshal of this small town and he's got somebody in jail and you, you hear the guy in jail talking about the, the town of Deadwood that they're all trying to get to. Everybody's trying to get to Deadwood because Deadwood is a place without the law. There's yeah, no without law big in government. Deadwood. <laughs> no one's yeah, getting no. in your way. No government, no marshals, no sheriffs, no, no, none of that shit. You just kind of it's it's the it's uh, I mean, it's fucking uh, rapture in Bioshock. Like, this is this is the Andrew <laughs> to an Ryanist town yeah. of of the Wild West. But even like but even in that situation, Andrew Ryan is a figurehead of that. And mm-hmm. I guess Al Swearingen is sort of the invisible hand of of Deadwood. But um, it very much is set up as because it exists in native american territory it doesn't have it like the u.s government has no claim over it and so yeah like you were saying there's no it's it's more closer to anarchy or mob rule than it is uh sort of like this society and, and this that's is, set up a purpose for utopia and this is kind of the point of the show for the the creator as well milch has has talked about how the themes of deadwood are finding um this balance within chaos so even though deadwood is this town without the law it it has to find some kind of way of sustaining itself whether that is through violence through capitalism through uh you know the the uh, a, a booming business of prospecting and the way people are are finding ways of of building uh, commerce or building families or fi- finding some way to, you know, not necessarily be the law, but be the the adjudicators in in this place. What does uh, a city built out of nothing become? How do, how does that work? And, and I think that's pretty interesting. Um, let's let's talk about the characters. You mentioned it's a big ensemble cast. We're not we're certainly not going to go through all the characters. There are a ton uh, even just in this first episode, but we'll just hit on some of the main ones here. So we mentioned Timothy Oliphant is Seth Bullock. Uh, Timothy Oliphant, you might know him as Detective Drykoff in Gone in 60 Seconds, a movie that I have only seen like the last 45 minutes of because it only just shows up on TV. And I go, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Why not? I'll watch. I'll watch some Gone in 60 Seconds. People still do that? Not really, <laughs> but, but when when I did uh, this, this is a movie that would come on a lot. Yeah, um, he played Kelly in The Girl Next Door. Uh, this movie, came, do you remember The Girl Next Door? Did you watch this movie, Pierce? No, I don't know that one. This is the um, oh, what's her name? She's also in Twenty Four. Um, Elizabeth. 
blonde hair. I I mean, I, you remember the the cover of the of the mo- the movie poster? Oh, of course, yes. Um, yes, it's a uh, guy peeping through a window at a blonde. Um, no, no, no. It's the oh yeah yeah. You're right. Sorry, you are right. Um, it's uh, Jesus. I should I should know this a lot faster. Uh, Elisha Cuthbert. That's right. Alicia, Elisha. Um, anyway, he's the he's the kind of dirtbag guy who is kind of dating her uh, at the time, whereas the the young guy who doesn't really know what's going on is so innocent is trying to date her. Um, okay. He plays a good he, he plays a good dirtbag in that movie is all is all I want to say. But uh, this this movie came out the same year as Deadwood, like really two weeks after this first episode aired. So you have here's Timothy Oliphant as uh, this lawman who's trying to, to make a legitimate business and, and be the moral high ground. And then here's dirtbag who's treating Alicia Cuthbert like a prostitute. It's uh, I, I just find it very funny. Yeah, it's um, called acting. <laughs> and then he did become agent 47 in the 2007 yes, he became the real law yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't want to like what a what a role hit agent 47 in the hitman adaptation perfect uh he also played james stacy in once upon a time in hollywood uh he plays raylan givens in justified i've not seen that's, justified yeah, is that that's like his famous role i feel like is it okay which is just a is justified just uh just like another deadwood but they shaved off the number i think it's the pg-13 deadwood okay all right i think it's the mass market deadwood okay um he plays lucas troy in the second episode of the fourth season of archer which we always this is gotta, why the section takes so long to get through. I know you're calling previous ones, uh, <laughs> and then uh, probably most recently, people know him as Cobb Vanth in both The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett, where he plays kind of another sheriff character. Um, it's it's almost like somebody at Disney said, "Hey, let's get the guy who did the Deadwood thing and make him do the Deadwood thing, except in the Star Wars now." Um, I don't think he's in the Marvel universe, though, but he is in the Star Wars universe. And that's, you know, what close enough. Uh, let's talk about Ian McShane, the best part of this television show by a goddamn mile. I don't think it's by a mile. I think there's a lot of really good roles in this, and a lot of really good acting in this episode. I mean, hey, there's a I, I don't I don't disagree with what you say, <laughs> but uh, even still, Ian McShane fucking rules. He, he's very good at this it. show. Yes. Uh, he plays elsewhere and Jenny won a Golden Globe for his performance here. Um, he played, uh, and again, I'm, I'm really only picking out the things that I've seen or know about. Um, he played Paul Griffin in We Are Marshall. That's the football movie. Okay. Uh, I, th- I think he's the coach in that. I think that's, that's his character. I saw okay. that on a school trip to the movie theater. <laughs> so you, so you didn't see it on the bus to the movie theater. You're no, saying no, you guys we took went a trip to the movie, to theater. The movie okay. theater. Uh, I, I think it might've been like a senior trip. I don't know. I, I don't know the dates on that exactly, but yes, That's we whack. went to go see this at a, at a theater with the whole school. It was very weird. Um, <laughs> he's the voice of captain hook in Shrek. The third classic film. Uh, he plays Frank Powell in hot rod. I kind of remember him in hot rod he's like the i think he's andy samberg's dad in that right he's like the okay. shitty the shitty dad or stepdad in that um he plays blackbeard in the pirates of the caribbean on stranger tides uh is, what is that the is that the is that the fourth pirates of the caribbean sure. movie they've made so many goddamn pirates of the caribbean you know movies they're kind of fun 
I'm I'm not saying they're not fun. Did they need to make five? And apparently a sixth one is in production. I did not need to know this information. Content is king, baby. There's 10 seasons of Columbo, okay? They can make five. (laughs) Hey, you leave Peter Falk out of this, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Um, He plays Winston Scott in the John Wick franchise, uh, the John John Wick 4 in theaters now. uh, At least when we made at least when we're recording this episode, John Wick 4 is in theaters. If you listen to this a year from now, it is no longer in theaters. Um, Yeah, he he does fine. He's like the the head of the what do they call it? The house. I have never seen a single John Wick movie. What? That's my Pierce. confession. Yep. Too oh, many God people have it. told me to see it, so therefore I cannot I'm, see it. Okay, I'm not going to tell you to see it then. But um, first one's thought, really good. I thought he has uh, like Alzheimer's or something. Uh, that would be news to me. I'm you can look. You can look his, that up while. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna okay. Skim through here um, the, while you're. And also, he plays Nikolai Ivanovich on uh, The West Wing. Classic uh, television yeah. show, The West Wing. Although I'm show. pretty sure he's a bit character, like shows up for a guest episode. Uh, anything you want to tell us about Ian McShane before we move on? I don't know. I guess I was wrong. I'm thinking of something okay. completely different because when okay. you said he was in John Wick 4, I was like, isn't he dead? No. Uh, oh, you mean Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick uh, died uh, man. recently. That, that, yes, yeah, that, that is. Um, I'm not confusing the two, but okay. yeah, that's shout out to Lance Reddick. <laughs> Yeah, well, a big, big Lance Reddick fan over here. Um, I'm a Destiny player, so I've I've been hearing his voices of Olive for for many years. Um, love the Wire. We'll we'll eventually do the Wire here. Yeah. Um, I I ended up downloading. I, I'm sorry. I ended up finding all of Fringe uh, off the back of a truck. So maybe maybe someday I'll watch Fringe. Maybe someday we'll do Fringe. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, nothing, nothing uh, to add about Ian McShane. He is, he is great in this. And, good, and good. Is I'm, a is an iconic character because of him. I'm, gl- I'm glad he is in in full health. I, I would be sad if he wasn't. Uh, Keith Carradine plays Wild Bill Hickok here. He was Sheriff Taggart in Cowboys and Aliens. Pierce, have you seen Cowboys and Aliens? No, I haven't. But the uh, one time I went to a live taping of a late night show, it was the Jimmy Kimmel show, and they were promoting Cowboys and Aliens. So John Favreau Ooh. was in that. Was, uh, okay. Yeah, he he was he appeared, and then who was one of the main actors? I can't remember. Daniel Craig, maybe. Mm, no. Daniel Craig is the only thing I remember from Cowboys and Aliens. Uh, is Harrison Ford in that? There's no way that Harrison Ford is in Cowboys and Aliens. Here right? we go again. We just got a 2011 film, Cowboys and Aliens. Holy shit. Harrison Ford is in that movie. So is Olivia Wilde and Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Olivia uh, Wilde was there. And then there was okay. like some other guy. Um, but yeah, that, I've never seen the movie. I've just, that's the one time I went to a late night talk it's not, show. It's not a, it's not a great movie. Don't, don't yeah, I know. <laughs> you know. You don't need to see that movie. I, <laughs> uh, um, he also plays the voice of Carl on an episode of Frasier. I'm guessing he was just a caller in to, to Frasier's show. I think that's hilarious. That's uh, he plays Special Agent Frank Lundy in Dexter, and he plays Lou Salverson in the first season of the TV show of Fargo. Uh, Timothy Oliphant also was in Fargo, but he is in a different season. So even though these guys knew each other, they didn't connect in the Fargo universe. Uh, John Hawks plays Soul Star, which it's a pretty good name. Pretty, Great pretty name. sweet, pretty sweet name. Uh, he plays Teardrop Dolly in Winter's Bone. Um, I don't I don't know anything about Winter's Missouri. Bone. Missouri. Yeah. 
You've lived in Missouri your entire life and you've never seen Winter's Bone? I haven't. You know what else I haven't seen? I haven't seen his performance as Charlie Hayes in three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri either. I, I think that movie's kind of bad. Um, <laughs> but I think Winter's Bone is good. And okay. the debut if of I, J-Law. If, if I want a depressing movie set in Missouri, I should go with Winter's Bone instead of three billboards? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yes, I did know J-Law was in, was in that. Um, he plays Dustin Powers in Eastbound and Down. I think that's the is that the uh, the younger brother of Kenny. Um, I think that's the younger brother of Kenny Powers. Have you, okay. have you not seen Eastbound and Down? <laughs> I have seen it, but like again, this okay. is from an era of HBO where I too found a lot of HBO off the back of a truck when I was in college, <laughs> and so well, I watched news, a Pierce, lot of someday it. <laughs> we'll watch Eastbound and Down for this show because again, we have to do every television show ever made. That's true. Uh, and that's a baseball show. I like baseball. It is a baseball uh, show. Uh, <laughs> loosely. Uh, and then uh, finally, he plays Lennon in Lost. Um, I don't, a great I don't, show. A great we'll, show. We'll Let's, do Lost at some point, but I, I got to say, I don't give a fuck about Lost. Um, I think John Hawks is great also. He is another person who, whenever he's on screen, I am captivated by him. And he yeah. plays a great... Um, not sidekick. I don't want a deputy. I guess you could call yeah, him. Yeah, he's um, well, at least deputy when he's like the marshal. But then he yeah, had like business partner, confidant, whatever. Yeah, yeah he's he's Steph. the he's the the partner to to Timothy Oliphant's character. Uh, I feel the same way about Timothy Amundsen, who plays Brom Garrett here. Um, he is a psychic in Starship Troopers. He plays Agent Thomas in Swordfish. Classic movie, Swordfish. Uh, he plays Ricky Ross in Seinfeld. That's the brother hey. of Susan Ross. I absolutely remember him in, in Seinfeld. Do you? The, I, the, cheap, the Cheever's Letters? When that's the right. Burned yeah, down. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. looking up the... Uh... Yeah, I think his I think his hair was a, a little a little more grown out in that episode. He, I just remember him always sitting in the chair. Um, <laughs> yeah. Dad, you and John Cheever, uh, man, it's good good times. Uh, he played Eli in Xena Warrior Princess. Uh, I, we should do Xena Warrior Princess sometime. That'd yeah. be fun. Uh, I think his probably biggest uh, role is Carlton Lasseter in Psych, or at least pro- most prolific. He's uh, they made a lot of episodes of Psych, they did, yeah. and uh, I think he does quite quite good as uh, as the police officer in Psych. And then he also did various voices in Star Wars: Knights of the Republic Two, The Sith Lords. Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> that's a great game. Yeah. Somebody uh, needs to find Timothy Amundsen's lines in Star Wars Knights of the Republic 2, The Sith Lords, because I need to know this. Um, we'll, we'll mercifully move on. Uh, Molly Parker plays Alma Garrett. Uh, she is the uh, wife, fiance, girlfriend of... Uh, yeah, they don't really of, say. I assume well, wife. I guess, I guess wife. The it's, they're yeah. both named Garrett. Um, yeah. Uh, so she plays Alma Garrett. She is uh, Sister Rose slash Sister Thorn in The Wicker Man. Um, she plays quote unquote motherly woman in the road. Uh, and I assume that's not like a bit part. I assume that just when you're, when you're in Cormac McCarthy's the road, you probably just didn't end up getting names for a lot of these characters, but they yeah, probably had all, profound. It's all like the boy and the man or whatever. Uh, yeah. I've only read the book. I've never seen the movie. Um, I, but, I've yeah. done neither. I, I read No Country for Old Men, and while I like that book and also love that movie, uh, it, it taught me that I do not like the way Cormac McCarthy writes, and I don't think I could possibly get through the road. The man doesn't use punctuation. 
God damn it. Uses. Use quotation marks. Yeah. Let me know who the <laughs> uses fuck is periods. talking. <laughs> he uses the occasional comma. I mean, yeah, he uses punctuation. He doesn't use <laughs> enough punctuation. God damn it, Cormac. Uh, uh, she plays uh, Melinda Weintraub in on well, one episode of Party Down. I love Party Down. I'm glad Party Down's back. This uh, is, just, this, this this is why I hate Down's this great. section, because you it's list great, too many roles, and you don't list the their biggest roles sometimes you just list the stuff that roles. you like you just like okay some... okay i think her biggest biggest role is probably jackie sharp in the u.s uh version of house of cards do you want to talk about house of cards pierce not really because that shows no do you, uh, do you do you <laughs> want to talk about kevin spacey on this podcast pierce i don't think so uh i think she does good as jackie sharp on that show uh i when, when also i I really like her in um, The Gilded Age, which is a new show, and she pretty much plays the same role. Um, but <laughs> it, it's set in the 1890s in New York, and it's, I think it's pretty good. Nice. Uh, and another relatively current uh, role that she has, she plays the lead character Maureen Robinson in Lost in Space. Uh, and then finally, for, for this group of actors that we'll talk about is Robin, we Robin Wiegert, who plays Calamity Jane. She is the adult, uh, the adult version of Olive in Synecdoche, New York, a movie I fucking hate. It's so bad. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's it's a good movie that just absolutely murdered me. I watched that in college uh, in a theater, basically alone. Uh, I had to walk back to my dorm in the dark uh, thinking about this depressing fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> God, that, that movie messed me the fuck up. Uh, I don't I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, she plays guest spots in three episodes of Law and Order, two episodes of Law and Order Special Victims Unit and one episode of Law and Order L.A. But all of the parts are different, uh, even though she's in three episodes of Law and Order. They are for three different characters. I love it. So good. Love to see it. She, she just um, has like a mustache in the SVU one. And then like yes, a soul patch in the LA one. Um, <laughs> so good. Uh, she has more guest spots in ER, NYPD Blue, Cold Case, Numbers, CSI, and many more. She, uh, unfortunately, is in the MCU. I guess not unfortunately. She's getting paid. Good for her. Uh, she is Wendy Ross Hogarth in Jessica Jones. Um, she also plays Ali Lowen in Sons of Anarchy. I think that's another one of her big roles. Um, and then she plays Dr. Amanda Reisman in Big Little Lies. Children. Pierce, we've already uh, talked about the synopsis of the pilot of Deadwood. So yeah. why don't we just get right into how we felt about the show? Uh, let's start with the opening. I think it was a downer compared yeah. to how great of openings we've had on pilot program uh, in the past. This one... It's fine. It's very um, literal, I guess. Yeah. It's like super yeah. thematic to what I said was it's a pastiche of rugged Western life. And it's like the fiddles playing in the background. And then it's like sort of these sepia tone shots that are kind of fade in and out of like mm -hmm. uh, a sex worker getting in a tub or a prospector biting gold or a some horse very running tasteful a, side boob going on some side that. boob action it's like a times. horse running through a forest yeah you gotta what, have yeah. slow motion horses a, a butchered chicken like it's just mm -hmm. very eh. like yeah the, the song, the, the it's the not song, a good song, song too yeah, yeah. i mean it's all bad. evocative of the the era but 
it's not what what I said. It doesn't have the hooks of something like The Sopranos. I, I was just using uh, HBO comparisons here. It doesn't have the hooks of of like a, a nice song with lyrics that you can really get down to when you're talking about something like The Wire or or Sopranos. But it also just doesn't have the gravitas that something that like Game of Thrones does. So it's yeah. just it's just kind of a thing. I, this this I don't think was an era. 2004 time that people cared as much about openings that they do now. No, I th- and I think if it would have came come out three years later when you have something like Mad Men and even Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. even though it's a five second opening, iconic. And yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I don't think it was as valued as much at the time. This was still like HBO Sunday programming, though. This was their their block that they i guess they didn't advertise but like people knew like this was the time you watched hbo the home box right. office if you will yes it's not tv it's it's the it's, home it's, it's, it's hbo yes um yeah so i the, think so the, so I, I know what you're going to do next which is that opening scene and it's yeah. actually set in montana and Correct. i think it's that opening scene is similar to um to the opening to the opening credit song is that doesn't really give you that much and it just kind of lumps in more themes and the themes are kind of obvious like western justice um you know gangs of men roaming around a horse thief like it's just it's a little by the book it is but i i think that i think by the book is also how you would describe seth bullock and that is a way that is the way they introduce our protagonist of the show, who is maybe the most protagonist to ever protagonist here, um, <laughs> because he's just like, let me just read the note here. I was like, he's a little bit of a goody two shoes. He's so yeah. the, opening, the opening scene is he's writing in his journal in a, um, a jail and the prisoner in there is talking to him and he's explaining the plan that he's going to take him to Deadwood and uh, I don't know what their plan was once they got there, but uh, a band that was was this... he actually going to take the guy to Deadwood? I think the the prisoner was saying like, "Hey, if you let me out of here, we can go to Deadwood together. Also, I can get us some quick cash on the way." Oh, I, okay, I, I okay, don't, I, don't gotcha. I don't think uh, he was ever going to bring this prisoner guy with him to Deadwood. Um, but I see. So so there that is kind of the way of like, hey, do you hear about this place, Deadwood, that uh, everybody wants to go to? And now we get a little bit of that exposition so we can all understand as the audience what Deadwood is. But I think it's more important to to just kind of see what what Seth Bullock's character is. And, you know, you mentioned he can read and write. So that automatically like puts him on an education level that's higher than most people in this era. Um, but he's not he's not super smart, though. Uh, he still speaks with some of those same colloquialisms. Uh, that is a word I can't do. It's colloquialisms, tough, yeah. <laughs> um, as as many of the other people in this era. Uh, you know, he's got some morals because he is is the lawman, but he's uh, he's also just looking to to leave. Like he's not he he doesn't have a passion for the law. He he wants to get out and and have a, a business on his own and adventure out. Um, you know, he's got some skill. He's he's clever in the way that he is able to navigate the situation, uh, because what happens is the 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 prisoner who stole a horse, uh, the guy he stole the horse from has rounded up a posse and they've <laughs> they have come to uh, the the jail to uh, to enact some more uh, cowboy justice. And uh, and instead of letting them, he he has enough uh, morals slash 
his own brand of of Western justice that um, he helps the guy hang uh, to avoid him getting torn apart by the yeah, the, the posse. He he is the judge, jury, and executioner. Even though the posse was probably going to lynch him, also like the fact right. that a lawman uh, is doing it somehow and, makes it. And better. also that it's like, oh hey, you know, it's like my last day. I'm leaving. I'm leaving this one horse town <laughs> to go to Deadwood. Um, like what what were what were you planning on doing with the prisoner? Yeah, or like what Were you gonna hang him the whole <laughs> time? Gonna... Were you just gonna leave him there for like the next marshal to show up eventually and go like, oh, I guess I got this prisoner now. Um, I, I didn't really understand what was what was happening like from the from a practical perspective it's what the fuck do you care if this guy dies here you're, yeah. you're out of here um but again i guess uh, he has protagonist brain in the like oh no the, we must we must kill this man by the book and yeah. not let him die any other way that the law would not allow um and then but I mean, he's smart enough to at least get out of that situation. He's got Soul Star, his his partner uh, in law, not partner in crime. That would be wrong. Um, but Soul Star is there. He's got the wagon ready to go. And he's he's like the kind of like eye in the sky that he's got a gun trained on the posse. Of, OK, this is this is my exit strategy. And so they get out of there without them getting hurt um horse thief oh yeah he's he's way dead he's dead <laughs> um but then they they get out of there they head to south dakota and that's where we meet more new characters which is uh wild bill calamity jane uh charlie we didn't mention charlie but he is he is that um that character you mentioned that he's kind of wild bill's handler, yeah. uh handler who's who's trying to find uh, a new life for him um after the whole outlaw thing is not it doesn't seem to be working out as well anymore yeah so the in in the main hub of action in deadwood is the gem saloon which is owned by al swearingen and there it's a brothel it's a gambling i don't want to call it a gambling den what a casino <laughs> that's the word i'm looking for yeah. um they've got a, a they've got a game going they've always got, they a, got game a game going. going yeah they got the the they got the time piano player yeah um and even though it is, like, as we alluded to at the beginning of this episode, even though it is uh, a town without a law enforcement, without the U.S. government being involved in it in any way, uh, Al sort of runs the place in that he knows everything, he has spies everywhere, everyone's sort of under his thumb or on on his books as, as like, one of their lackeys, and, and his goal is always control and also just make money, keep the money flowing, keep people relatively yeah. happy, spending at the tables, spending uh, on the sex workers. And you, you see it with that first first scene or first uh, segment of scenes with him is that the one of his sex workers has um, shot a guy because he was beating her up. Um, and that's bad for business. Generally, you don't want your uh, clientele being shot. Um, you also don't want your employees getting beat up, but I guess that's less of an Im importance to him at this point. Um, <laughs> but he comes in and he takes charge pretty immediately of, OK, send for the doctor who is also on our payroll. Uh, yeah. Like talk the to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like talk to. Uh, and again, this is their word, not mine. Uh, talk to the Chinaman about uh, getting this guy uh, taken care of. We we are not breaking bad vats of acid. We are we got we got a, a pig pen over here yeah. and these pigs it's, are going to like take care of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. 
um man remind me not to get in um uh like not to lay down in front of a bunch of pigs it doesn't seem like a great time <laughs> i don't know if, how realistic that is uh hey pigs especially gotta eat, fully man. clothed pigs gotta eat um <laughs> yeah yeah and then like they even they they tease at a couple other things like the doctor wants to look at he, he's fascinated this man lived with a bullet through his brain and he wants mm-hmm. to he wants some time with the body before he gives it over to the pig pen person. So like they all kind of have their own thing. It's not just that Al's paying them. Like Al's also giving them the things they want. He has um, drug addicts on his payroll also where he, he'll get, he'll have some mark and he'll get them involved in a scheme and he'll pay them in what I assume is opium. Um, yeah. He, than, he even like, says at one point, things. like, do you, do you want $50 or do you want a, a ball of dope? And the guy's like, Oh, <laughs> dope every time. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. wow. He's, he's really got him eaten out of the palm of his hand. If, if they're not even getting cash for it. Um, but yeah, he does have his fingers and everything. He's even got uh, a bit of a, a scam going on with uh, Timothy, Timothy Odinson's character, um, whose name I need to Brom Garrett, um, that you got kind of this rich guy, who's come in and wants to wants to find his uh, gold claim. And they're they've been uh, like sneaking gold bits into this place to make it seem like it's a real winner of a claim. And then they're going to bilk him out of as much money as they can. Um, and then he's just he's the one wheeling and dealing and acting like everybody's friend. But he's he's pulling all of the strings in the background as they're as they're just trying to extract um, all this uh, Yankees cash from him before they <laughs> send him on his way. Uh, yeah, it, it, he's he's a character who is magnetic. And I mean, that's credit to Ian McShane. Uh, he does have some great dialogue. But at the same time, I very quickly I didn't remember him being the antagonist so much. I remember like looking back on the show, but he is he doesn't really have any redeemable qualities in this first episode other than being intelligent um and he very much kind of sets up like if there's going to be an antagonist it's not going to be the u.s government it's not going to be the native americans it's going to be him and it's going to be good versus evil if there if it even though they they shade a little bit more than that and it's mm-hmm. wild bill and seth bullock against um al swearingen in the gem saloon over the yeah. over the soul of dead <clears throat> I I would I would even say it's it's weird because when I when I think of somebody somebody from a historical perspective like Wild Bill Hickok, I kind of expect expected him to more be the bad guy. Here's this outlaw guy. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to come into Deadwood and, and be the one to, to turn things over. And in this episode, at the very least, uh, he's just he's just not. He's just a, a cool fucking dude who's looking yeah. like, cool as heels. Yeah, I, I think they really humanize uh, this folk hero like Wild Bill Hickok by making him, um, m- making the people around him kind of acknowledge his fragility, the people that are close to him. One, every time he walks into a uh, saloon, there's someone in there that wants to kill him. They want to be the guy that takes out Wild Bill. Mm-hmm. But also, like, he, and he does, he withstands the assassination attempts and, and fights back, but... Uh, so he always has a target on his back, but he's also like, he has these vices. Like he really likes to gamble. And so he's not that rich, even though he has this celebrity, he doesn't have a ton of, 
well. apparently he doesn't even gamble all that well. Like they they talk at the at the bar and the guy's like, oh, yeah, he he stays in hands way too long. He he just the dude, the dude just loves playing cards. He's not very good at it, though. And I'm yeah. like, oh, big same. Love to yeah. <laughs> love to uh, call with a four, seven of diamonds and just see what happens. Right. Like, I don't know. Maybe it'll be a flush. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's never it's never a flush. I lose a lot. I don't lose a lot of money at cards because I don't play enough cards. Uh, but man, yeah, that yeah. was a. I was like, oh, yeah, man, I play cards like well, Bill Hickok does. That's cool. Yeah, it, it is like, a well, oh, yeah, I see those traits in myself. Uh, yeah. And and the fact that he's like, um, everyone sort of like whispers when he's around does make him seem like a badass. And then he lives up to the billing with his quickest draw. Like you see him kill two people in this uh, show and both times Al Swearingen's like, Yo, he's the real deal. Like this yeah. is Death Incarnate walking they, around. It, it is super- a lot of show overtell in in this. Like like you said, he walks in, and the way people give him this this deference uh, and also reverence of that. Did you see that? That's fucking wild, Bill Hickok. Holy shit! Yeah. Um, and like the way the bar the bartender is immediately like talking to his his business associate Charlie guy and. And the business associate, again, just trying to find like a, a more stable life for for Bill at this point is like and for hey, him, you know, I imagine like I'm sure, sure, it's hard sure. Being... Well, yeah, he's his meal ticket at this yeah. point. So, but so if he can make it safe for everybody, that's great. Um, he's he's kind of got Calamity Jane as his enforcer. This this woman who uh, loves him either romantically or or loves him um, from an admiring standpoint, from mm-hmm. from just a. a from just appreciative of what he is. Um, she is, she is there and, and always kind of by his side and always ready to go. Uh, in fact, maybe a little too ready to go. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's a little bit more bark than bite. Um, mm-hmm. and she tries to live up to maybe what she thinks wild bill is by being tough. Whereas wild bill is more of like, uh, what's, what's the, um, Teddy Roosevelt thing. It's like walk speak tall, softly, carry a big carry. stick. Yeah, speak, yeah, yeah, speak, speak softly, softly and, carry, and big carry big yeah. stick. Yeah, that's sort of Wild Bill's uh, archetype. And I think what's great about Calamity Jane is she's also a folk hero. And they also humanize her in a way where she has, like, she's all that, she's bluffing constantly. And when she's given the opportunity to protect this girl who was supposedly massacred by, uh, or her family was supposedly massacred by Indians, um, she fails at it she she lets al swearingen right past she doesn't protect the the kid even though she is given an opportunity are, to... are, are, are you, you might be speaking to something oh shit is that the next two. episode like, why, oh fuck you, i'm sorry why are you doing this to me yeah <laughs> like, i'm so sorry she, she was the only one with the quote-unquote balls as she said to go out and even find the girl in the first place oh my bad uh, <laughs> god damn it pierce you've, this is the whole point of the show this is the whole point of pilot program we only talk about the first episode you've broken the first and only rule of pilot program Listen, we're like 45 minutes into recording this oh, and damn, i i think it's i can reveal now that i like i said well i said earlier in the episode i watched a couple episodes after i i really liked this first episode because of the characterization uh that they set up and i think they they tease all those uh character traits in that first episode really well where it made me want to watch the second one because there's there's just so many cool situations that you can put different combinations of characters in and just let them go because you've set them up 
uh, in the way that they did. Yeah. Um, I am sad the moment has passed. I can't make my Mass Effect. This is my favorite saloon on the Citadel joke as well anymore. We've we've kind of passed the moment where Charlie was doing that with the, the bartender. Um, but like 50, 50, the idea of $50 a day just to exclusively drink and gamble in this one bar uh, seems like a pretty good deal. Uh, Pierce, I don't know if you remember our MASH episode where I did uh, a little quick um yeah, yeah, a little I quick do, math on the inflation. Yeah, yeah. Um, fifty dollars in eighteen seventy six equates to fourteen hundred and five dollars today. I think that's a pretty decent appearance fee yeah. uh, to just show up good. every night and drink at a bar. Not bad. Um, that's okay. It's yeah. it, I, you know, I've I've seen I've peeked into a little bit of celebrity appearance fees in the job that I do, and I've seen. More ridiculous asks. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, it is. It is the same price that uh, Al Swear Engine um, offers. Uh, once. Once we hear, and we'll we'll hit upon the plot, the actual plot of the show here in a second. But uh, when we hear that the, uh, as they say, the Indians that have killed this whole family, um, he he. Ian McShane's character is just is desperately trying to keep people from going out and forming the posse tonight. He wants them to to stay and gamble and and fuck and do all this shit. Um, and so he gives this this speech, uh, this rousing speech about how yes, we need to absolutely do something about it in the morning. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and you know what I, you know, I I care about this so much. I'll give fifty dollars to for every uh, every decapitated Indian you, you can bring back to me. Um, no upper limit. I was like, wow, that's again, that's fifteen hundred bucks for, you know, each head. That's you could make some decent money on that. Uh, Again, um, not a big cost to kill someone. (laughs) I I suppose Uh, he says that he he says that full well, knowing that uh, Indians didn't didn't do this. Uh, He's got a pretty good idea. He's trying to cover up the fact that one of his goons or three of his goons uh, did this. And he knows. Are they actually his goons? I I I think this was just like a random guy. So. So again, this is an this is an episode two. Um, oh, okay. Um, so, so we're this is now pilot. He plus does one he program. does mention at the end of the at the end of the episode like, oh, I'm pretty sure this was whatever the guy's name something something Phil. Uh, I'm pretty sure this was yeah. pernicious Phil or whatever who who did this. So he's he's not too worried about losing money on this, uh, and he's more worried about losing money on people going out and doing something about it when they should be gambling and and paying for his for his whores. Yeah, in episode two, the guy like the, I think someone associated with that group comes in. I know you're shaking your head. Uh, you're kind you're of just hat- breaking the rules again. <laughs> yeah, hat in hand, and is like, I'm sorry, we should have told you about this because that was. They think their big sin is not killing the family, uh, but not telling Al that they were going to, you know, get this score. I see. Anyway, so I'm the only one who cares about the rules around here. I know. Well, we should. We're getting we're what, 50 minutes in now. I want to start. Yeah. Any any other notes you want to say about uh, about Deadwood before we move on to its legacy? Not really. um, I guess we've kind of talked about everyone, but there's there's like a lot of really great bit parts. There's a lot of there's a lot of characters in this show and a lot of them have interesting um personalities and dialogue and i'm 
I'm really excited to see where the rest of it goes. I think I'm going to keep watching this one. I I am also excited to see where it goes. I'll I'll say, I, I think there's something interesting here where you have. Um, sorry, Pierce. This is going to be a little bit more on the nature of our podcast and a little navel gazy. I know you love that. Um, <laughs> you talked about this in your notes as a as a build up episode, or like this is this is an episode that this is a this is a pilot episode that has a lot of setup and doesn't have a whole lot of plot. Um, in fact, they really only get to the plot in like the last fifteen minutes, and even that doesn't feel like much of a plot, I guess, until you get to the to the second episode where all this plot happens that uh, matter from the first episode that I wouldn't know, obviously, because um, I was a good boy who only watched the first episode. <laughs> but you have you have that kind of style of an episode of a pilot, and then you have your pilot episodes that are self contained, and I think you'll find a lot of. Like our thirty-minute sitcoms are going to to fit in that because you kind of always need to come back to the to the um, average or back to the mean mm-hmm. um, with each of those. But there, I, I'm also talking about in that self-contained stuff that has like just one one little story that that wraps up nicely and, and puts a little bow on on something or or has like the big twist at the end the of big cliffhanger yeah you thought this was the show and then you find out at the end of that oh it's it's not the show or it's so much more than that uh we had that with something like the boys where um oh you thought this guy was dead and oh he's not he's not dead and and we're gonna have to deal with that for the for the episodes coming forward um and I think for the nature of our podcast here, uh, the self-contained ones end up having like a just from a bias standpoint, end up doing faring a little better in our eyes here in that they are self-contained. They have like something that has a beginning, middle end that we can really latch on to, whereas something like a build up episode. Yes, it's building to something, but we're not really going to get to see what it builds up to before we talk about it on this show. So I I came out of watching this um, respecting it, knowing that what I was watching is uh, the way I put it in my notes. It's I think it's a um, I think it seems like an episode. uh, It seems like the first episode of a great TV show instead of a great episode of TV. Uh, This one episode, like I I liked what it was doing. But this for what we're doing here, it wasn't super satisfying. It, it makes me excited about what's happening next, but I can't I can't voice that here in some, in the same way that I could for something like Seinfeld. That is OK. It has it has a story it's telling and you can latch on to that. I don't think I, I I understand what you're saying, but I don't think I separate those two things in my mind. Like my excitement for the show based on this episode means to me that it is a good episode and that it is mm-hmm. like I was much more effusive of praise in my notes than you were. And, um, but I do, I totally understand what you're saying that like the arc is the neatness of a lot of the other shows maybe make for a easier analysis. Um, if, if we were to do a ranking of television shows that we do on pilot program, I, I could see this being high, if not one of the highest. Sure. If we did a ranking of pilot episodes we've watched on pilot program, I think right. this would tend to fall more in the middle. If that's, I that, think that's probably that, that's a little yeah. bit more what I'm talking about here. Yeah. Uh, I also think it's interesting. Like, there are certainly shows out there that have had bad pilots, poor pilots, uh, underperforming pilots that ended up being 
great shows. Uh, again, I'll point to Seinfeld. Seinfeld, that, that show is not fully baked in its first episode. It's missing uh, at least one crucial character um, and and has a lot of things that just don't feel like what we think about when we think about Seinfeld. Parks and Rec, I would say, is another one where it's like that, that show... As much as I like those first seasons of Parks and Rec more than most people do, like that show is kind of just the office again. Um, and and while it can still be enjoyable, it is it is not what the show became. And, yeah. And I think this is the show. Like, it, I, it's not like I, I don't think they're going to to veer left in episode two and change up the way things happen here. But because it is not because it's still building i'm not i'm not getting that full satisfaction of seeing a full story um, that's, that's if, fair. if that makes I any think, sense yeah it does and it, i think those are all fair criticisms yeah um, uh let's talk about the legacy of deadwood and then send this thing home so deadwood it ran from march 21st 2004 to august 27 2006 ending with three seasons and 36 total episodes uh, the show would be nominated for many awards, 28 Emmy Awards. It won eight of those. And then we mentioned the Golden Globe for the best actor in a drama series going to uh, Ian McShane earlier. Um, we talked about Deadwood being a real place, uh, but but the writer creator David Milch based a lot of his uh, writing on diaries and newspaper articles that he found from the town during that time. And, and I think that brings brings forth uh, a much more realistic view of uh, this time period. One of the things that the the show has been, I don't know if criticized is the right word, but it's definitely something people bring up when they talk about the show is the amount of profanity and whether yeah. the amount of profanity is uh, matches the time period or if it's, oh, we're on HBO, we can say fuck as much as we want. Um, and maybe it's a little of both, but New York Magazine, this is this was like a 2016 article or no, no, like a 2012 article or something like that. It wasn't like when the show was big, but they went back and and counted the the number of times somebody says fuck in the first episode. And it's 43 times and there's like an hour of, of television there. So that's a lot. Uh, in fact, they went further and found that there are 2,980 uses of the word fuck over the entire series, which ends up averaging out to one fuck per minute of film. Um, it's it's a show that says fuck a lot, <laughs> as well as other profanities and other profane yeah. things. Um, I'm trying I'm trying to figure out, though, was that actually a big deal? Did, did people I, I say, like, oh, this is the show yeah. with swearing, or is it just, like, a show that had swearing in it? I remember it not being anyone clutching their pearls over it, but I do remember that sort of being uh, almost like a marketing beat. <laughs> yeah. Like, not not one from HBO necessarily, but th this was, like, yes, how people defined the show as it, this is not just an HBO show. This is the profane one. And, yeah, yeah. I, I think it, I mean, it overshadows such a great... Scripts. It does. And and I think it's I think it's interesting because I just don't think people care as much anymore. Like we're we're living in 2023. This is uh, the final season of Succession where they right. hey, they say profane shit all the time. I think I think the, the most interesting stuff is that it's usually more colorful than fuck. Um, yeah. Other than Logan Roy's character who gets to say fuck off all the time and, and everybody loves it and cheers. But um, 
but yeah, for the most part, it's that show is about the creativity of the profanity more than it is about the profanity itself. But even going back to this time period of of television, sorry, not time period of the show, but um, this time in HBO, this is this is still five years after uh, The Sopranos has been out um, or, or we have five seasons of The Sopranos at this point. Sopranos, that show swears a lot. Uh, yeah. Two two seasons of The Wire have been out at this point. Um, they swear plenty in that show as well. Um, so. I, I guess I guess it was weird for me to read up about people making a bigger deal about the swearing when I'm over here going, it's, it's all the shows. It's it's HBO. This is what they do. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I, I, I think I noticed it more when I first watched this show uh, from the uh, <coughs> files that fell off the back of a truck. Um, yeah. I think now watching it in 2023, you're right. Like, I think just profanity is everywhere. It's it's on the. Uh, the news <laughs> i don't want yeah. to I, I mm-hmm. guess it's not on the news but you know what i'm saying like it's just it just exists in in I, so many other I, facets of life that it i didn't even notice it, it it's still a great script right. even though it has all these swear words in it i'll tell you like the the profanity completely washed over me i mean i i certainly noticed people were saying the word fuck but it's it's not like i was like well they, they swear a lot in this show it's yeah. it, it's just like yeah i know it's it's a it's a premium cable television show what do you what do you yeah. want um, one thing I did find interesting, you tell me, since you're the, the expert who is read ahead, um, <laughs> did you know that Deadwood had this kind of loose 24 like thing going on that every I episode didn't. of no, Deadwood is one day in Deadwood? Yeah. No. Um, I, yeah, I was learning that doing research. So that's that was interesting to me. So the idea here is that each episode takes place over a 24 hour period in Deadwood for that one day. And then each season because I guess there's 13, 14 episodes a season um, that would take place over two weeks in Deadwood. So each season's only two weeks long in the in the time period of the show. Um, And and that actually ended up being a real sticking point when it came to how to end the show, because after you do three seasons, okay, you've done six weeks in Deadwood time. uh, HBO was like, okay, well, we can give you a shortened season to to finish this out and milch is like well we we can't we can't do that it doesn't work with the timeline that we've set up throughout the rest of the shows and what he wanted to end up doing was two two two-hour films that would that would help finish finish out everything and that was in the the works for a bit and then it wasn't and kind of went away and everyone thought deadwood was dead for a handful of years there was a a bunch of fan outreach of wanting to see what's up with deadwood um ian mcshane had to do multiple interviews Uh, i know there was one on on the daily show with john stewart where he's like no deadwood is dead we're we're not it's it's not happening uh and then years later like in 2015 uh, HBO and and Milch, uh, I guess, agreed like, OK, we could do one movie. What if we did one movie and, and finish this thing out? And they got it all together and, and made it happen. So there is a Deadwood movie. Uh, Pierce, have you seen the Deadwood movie? I'm imagining not if you haven't finished no. the, the actual yeah. series. That makes sense. Um, so the Deadwood movie, it came out in 2019. Again, the show, the show proper ended in 2006. So 13 years later, we got a Deadwood movie, which seems nuts. Um, but I think it's also very funny that, uh, not only 13 years later for the movie to come out, it's the movie is about Deadwood 
13 years later, um, where it's now 1889 and South Dakota is becoming the 40th state of the union. And how do all the Deadwood characters react to this um, this occasion? Uh, whoever whoever's left. And again, I don't know. I don't know who's left. Uh, I guess Ian McShane is still around if they're talking to him about whether Deadwood would come back. Uh, but again, this is all speculation on my part. Um, but I think Milch said, like, yeah, hey, anybody who still draws breath in Deadwood, we're going to try to get them back for for this movie. Um, and so they made that movie and seems like people like it. I've I've seen some some good stuff on that or like nobody's yelled about how bad it is, at least. Um, cool. It's OK to some, like things. Yeah, I, I, I think it's great when things are good. Anyway, Pierce, that is Deadwood. Um, great, great show. Good show, I, yeah. I'm very much looking forward to watching more. Um, and, and I mean, now that I've gotten a little preview of what happens, I'm Sorry. even more excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Just promise me you won't do it for our next show. Pierce, what's our next show going to be on? We are going to watch Keenan Kel. Hell yeah. Yeah. Did also you ever watch Keenan Kel growing up? Yeah. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Nickelodeon, that's a good time. I have no idea what this first episode is going to be like, though. I don't I think bet, I've ever I watched it. I bet it's going to be a half-hour comedy show that uh, <laughs> that is a self-contained thing and wraps up very cleanly at the end. That's that's what I bet this show is. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I've been hearing people talk about the the Good Mer- Burger sequel movie that is apparently in in the works. So I've been thinking about that. Um, uh, I can't remember who the guest was uh, on SNL who uh, did a Keenan and Kel sketch and actual Kel Mitchell showed back up to be a part of it. Um, and they got to to kind of do a little reunion sketch on SNL, which I thought was really cool. And Keenan Thompson, he's huge right now with with all the stuff that he does for SNL. He's had a couple of other television shows and um, you know, he's in his those. car commercials. He's in, you know, yeah. Is it, is it a car commercial or is it like a GE commercial? No, Isn't that's it like all of his? That, that's a year of the copywriter here uh, for now. Um, well, he gets a car delivered to him, but it's like all of yeah. his appliances are talking to him. I think it's a GE it's like a car... about how no, smart technology shit. It's not, dude. I think it's a, a Carvana commercial. We're looking something. this up. We're looking this up right now. Keenan Thompson ad Auto Trader. God damn it, you're right. Auto Trader, yep. Fuck. Because the whole shtick is Wanda Sykes is the whatever (laughs) fridge or something. (laughs) And it's like never leave home but he wants well to you'll have to tune into the next episode of yeah. pilot program to find out uh, exactly what role wanda sykes plays uh we're preparing for landing here please remember that you can follow pilot program on twitter at pilot program pod you uh you can also uh subscribe to the show which i mean hopefully you're already subscribed if you're listening to this but on the off chance that tell you're your not, friends please yeah please do tell your friends tell them to go to shows.acast.com slash pilot program uh, we'll hopefully get a better URL than that someday. Uh, <laughs> but that is where you can find all current uh, episodes of the show. This is episode eight. So hopefully we'll get to 10 here uh, in not too long. And then we'll have 10 full episodes of a podcast. That's when the podcast really becomes official. That's what I That's think. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's the end of the first um, season. As as for me, uh, you can follow me at uh, Chase underscore Kenicky on Twitter. I also have a couple of other podcasts I do. One of them is called Gamers on the Go. It's a podcast about handheld video games. A good friend of the show, uh, 
Matt Jigisan Jagger joined me on the latest episode of Gamers on the Go to talk about the top 25 Game Boy and Game Boy Color games of all time. That was a fun little debate discussion. Um, we've got lists coming out of our, our personal favorite lists and then the combined one that we did. So you can go to GamersOnTheGo.com and listen to that episode as well as see those lists. Um, I also do another podcast about video games more generally called The Casual Hour that I do with my good friends Bobby Pease and Johnny Amazich. We record uh, live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash The Casual Hour every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. or 10.30 p.m. Eastern or 10.30 p.m. Central Time. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know when the show is. It's too late. Uh, <laughs> uh, we also do other live streams at 10.30 p.m. Central, both on Mondays and Fridays. And then we we do a bunch of stuff. We've got a YouTube channel with quick looks and, and all sorts of shit. But um, podcast is the main one. That's on Wednesdays, twitch.tv slash The Casual Hour. Um, and you know what? That's that's it. I'll, I'll say that's it. Pierce, uh, do you have a music recommendation for us this week? I do. Yeah. Um, there is, is it, a is lot it of little Nas X. You wanted to get some some cowboy, not, more cowboy uh, stuff in here. Okay. I do want to get some cowboy stuff in here. Um, I, I, Deadwood has uh, some homophobia. Uh, at least a lot of the insults they sling at each other are homophobic. So I thought it'd be kind of cool to highlight a country artist who's gay. <laughs> Um, oh, okay. I thought, and, uh, yeah. I thought you were going to do So I'm going to talk about this homophobic song. Nope. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's Lavender, good. There's this, uh, this band called Lavender Country, and they came out with an album called Blackberry Rose 45, 46 years after their first album. Their first album came out. And that's the longer than 70s. it took for the Deadwood movie to come out. <laughs> and it's set 45 years after the, the first album. Um, oh, no, it's be a, amazing, wouldn't it? It's a it's a really great twangy, like sort of outlaw country vibe uh, to it. It's called Blackberry Rose. And it's just it's a lot of fun. Um, Patrick Haggerty is the is the main uh, singer and songwriter in Lavender Country and uh recently passed away i believe but he was you know in his 70s or 80s when the second album came out so it's just kind of a really interesting story look up the wikipedia lavender country's name of the band uh blackberry rose is the name of the album and give it a listen what's the name of the band lavender country and what's the name of the album blackberry rose okay you only said it (laughs) 20 times. I think we got it. <laughs> uh, with that, ladies this and gentlemen. This is like a, uh, you're in advertising. You got to say, you got to say the line. Yes. Head on, yes, apply I, directly I to the forehead. They, head on, they need apply to, directly to the forehead. Yep. You need to hear it seven times before it really sticks in your head. That's, that's what I learned in, in advertising school. Um, I hope you had a good flight, everybody. Uh, we'll be back next time. Thank you for flying with us on pilot program. Catch you later. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. In other words, baby, kiss me. Fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore. You are all I long for, all I worship and adore. In other words, please be true. 
In other words 